Is this is this the dry open? This is the, the dry, dry dry opening. You mean cold? Dry. It's very dry. Is it okay. dry or cold? It doesn't make, make any difference. Make up your mind. It's like a desert. Cold and that's Antarctica. That makes if you me- want cold and dry, Antarctica is the place for you. Thinking of dry it makes me think of deserts. How did Boba get out of the sand rectum? Um, what was that thing called? I don't. I don't know. I will look that. He up. was rescued by Maximus Rescuus. The sand anus. He <laughs> fell into the sand anus. Did he? Did he jetpack his way out? The jetpack was messed. No, up. No, it was damaged. Because, uh, but how, I want to know is like, how did they get his armor? Like, why did he abandon his armor? Did the Jawas get it? Did they pry it from the sand sphincter? Did no. they kill it and then get it? And then why did he not go after it? That's a big plot hole to me. A big dry plot hole. The sand rectum. Speaking of holes, what's a plot hole? <laughs> That's what that was, George Lucas. I gotta get rid of this character. <laughs> Threw him down the plot hole. <laughs> Welcome to the Board Game Snobs Podcast. Critically harsh reviews with a touch of class. Go. Doing the jazz hands. Get to what to do with my hands. Welcome to the Board Game Snob Podcast. It was the only podcast that you need for something. What? You don't. When I point to you, you're supposed to say something interesting, not just words. Well, that's a bad idea. Okay, we I'm not, I'm not pointing at you. You can stop talking. And got me. <laughs> Tons of uh, diamonds are on the planets Jupiter and Saturn. What? I'm sorry, huh? Tons? Tons, like oh, more I than tons. Tongues, like it just like, rains diamonds on those planets. Making it rain, huh? We know yes. this. You, this was on a previous podcast. Yeah, I know. I, it was something interesting. That's the best you got. No. This is a board game snob. Send us an email. Boardgamesnobs at gmail.com. Something you fun. know what? Uh, this is interesting. Tell me. A jockey won a horse race while dead. He fell dead on the horse? In 1923, <laughs> jockey, 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 Frank Hayes took off on his horse, Sweet Kiss, at Belmont Race Track on Long Island. Mid-race, he suffered a heart attack and died. At least he wasn't kicking a dead horse. He no, was, the horse was, was alive. He won. Oh. But he was, but he had a long face after he realized <laughs> the jockey was dead. <laughs> Okay. All right, your joke was better. If he, if people haven't figured this out, this is when Gobby says something random. I try to quickly think up a joke, and then he retorts. Go ahead, sir. This is in regards to where I work. Walmart. Bananas mm. are the best-selling item at Walmart. Really? And I can speak for that, because every time I go through a produce ambient, that's, that's the walk I do, and it's like, okay, these people want all veggies. You got to go walk through all the veggies and collect them. It's banana after banana after banana. They just want bananas? Like, just people just love bananas. I make banana pancakes. I guess people make banana everything. Banana smoothies. Nut bread. Banana nut bread. Banana pancakes. Banana waffles. Peanut butter and bananas. Elvis. Enrique, do you like bananas? Yes. Thank you for that. Next, please. Did you know that uh, Mario Lopez is going to play a sexy Colonel Sanders in a Lifetime 15-minute movie? Yes, I saw that, and I'm looking forward to it. Really? Yes, because everybody loves Popeyes. I was going to say everybody loves chick flicks. 
Okay. <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. What is no, that? No, I'm good. I'm good. Chicken flake. I got it. I got you. Watching him take his shirt off. It's like poultry in motion. <laughs> I'm just winging it. Like, what? What can I say? Oh God. Okay. So, what would you call a chicken that attempts to take over the world? I'm not sure. Attila the hen. Oh, that's I'm I'm done. You're done. Okay, all right. You're done with the chicken jokes. Okay. I mean, I I can look up some more. No, please don't look up anymore. I I I don't want you to. You know, he's going to come up with some like in the middle. I did find a a a Reddit thread on Reddit (laughs) (laughs) that is is. Very good, sir. As ridiculous as it was, I was piqued with curiosity. Peaked, huh? There he goes again. Are farts visible in cold weather? Yeah. No. Well, you say visible. Do you mean you know like, how, like, like when you, you breathe? breathe? No. Yes. Yeah, no. You'd have to have, you no. I, I think. What? No. What is your science behind this answer? Um, The well, amount of air. Um, Plus, it's not air. It's gas. There's methane. It's different. No, no. Apparently, I, okay. According to Bob three seven five on Reddit, oh, he said uh, moisture is what makes your breath visible. Okay, uh, there's not enough moisture in farts usually because it's a dry. <laughs> it's like a dry. It's like sand sarlacc sphincter. It's like the sarlacc. <laughs> I mean, sarlacc. When it popped out, Boba Fett. I can't wait for Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Mobile sphincters. That's what we need in space. (laughs) Joe Rogan probably go out there and try and kill it and make you eat it. A.K.A. What was that horrendous uh, game show he was on? Uh, Fear Factor. Fear Factor. Let's kill this giant sand anus and make you eat it. I could not do any of that. Like, I was out when they did Pig Rectum. Big rectum. Big welcome. Big rectum. Well, I mean, they always did something where you had to jump. Opening for sand anus. (laughs) You had to jump off something or be claustrophobic. But then it was always the food. And that's not really fear. That's gross. Like, fear is not. I'm not afraid of eating a pig rectum. I'm grossed out by it. That's not fear. Well, yes. Fear is getting into a uh, cage of spiders. Something like that. A glass box of spiders. Yeah. Me not wanting to eat buffalo testicles is is common sense. That's not fear. You know, the Sarlacc pit, like, that's a Sarlacc pit, but is it a monster? We're calling it a pit, but it's not a pit. It's an actual monster. Well, there was a pit that the monster made and lived in. What's the name of the monster? He's a Sarlacc. And so the Sarlacc is the monster. It's like a yeah. bear cave. There's a cave with a bear in it. There's a Sarlacc pit. There's a pit with a Sarlacc in it. So he just creates a big hole. Yes. Yeah. Then that was his pit. And oh. if you fell into said pit, you, you were you're out of luck. That's how that except works. Except if you're Boba Fett. We're t- was apparently Boba Fett got out of it. So that's another thing. I desperately want to know in the book of Fett how Bubba Fett gets out of the Sarlacc pit. They should make a sitcom out of it called The Orifice. 
And just all the people that have fallen into the Sarlacc pit, they're just talking. They're just down there. Just down they're there just talking. Having they're having nice camera. Nice conversations. Well, with the smirk. Have like the office level. Uncomfortable <laughs> humor. <laughs> Uncomfortable humor. How long you been here? Oh, 300 years. Oh, I take a long time. Oh, what happened to you? Oh, job messed up. Jabba. That's all. That's all that happens. Jabba showed up and kicked everybody down there. That just seems rather uh, elaborate. I mean, it was you know he was on his pirate ship and just had people walk the plank. Yeah, that was just into the Sarlacc pit. I don't understand it. It's not. Uh... Anyways, can we get off the sand rectum for a moment, please? I wanted Maybe. to actually go on into um, like some board games, if you don't mind. Oh sure. yeah, that, that is what we're here. To we talk played about. three Euro-ish type games here recently. All in a row to allow us to kind of get gauge our thoughts. And they're old, not older games, but they're games that we have played in the past and talked about. And I believe we had, was it Bert Hoovis? Hervis? Hoovis. Hoovis. Who had asked us about Euros are criticized for lack of player interactions. What are some unique ways that games offer player interaction and what are your favorites? So... That's a good question, and I'd like to address that as we go down these three particular Euro games. We'll start with one that's not, well, I say it's a Euro game. It's not really. It's Raccoon Tycoon. That's more of an economic game, in my opinion. Now, in Raccoon Tycoon, wasn't that designed by Glenn Drover? Yes, now, Glenn Drover. Is it Glenn Drover, the same guy that made your favorite game? Empire's Age of Discovery. Yes. So, Raccoon Tycoon is a bidding game slash ec- uh commodity speculation game. You're playing a card, you're getting commodity, you're producing these commodities and certain ones go up. When you sell commodities, the price goes down. You're selling those commodities to get money and you're using that money to buy buildings that give you buffs and to also bid primarily on these railroad uh, cards. Set collection. Set collection. So the game's very light. It's easy to understand, but it is a difficult bidding game. I did not realize it until we played it just now that it's actually kind of up there with modern art in a lot of ways. Whereas modern art is a, just a pure bidding game. Raccoon Tycoon is not as tight with its bidding because there's a there's a king-making aspect in Raccoon Tycoon that Gabi has partook in and I partook in it in this game just to see if it was legit and it was. Where when you start a bidding war on a railroad card, if you don't win it, then you get to go again. And I continually bid on railroad cards, letting Enrique and Gabi win them, running up the price so I could finally get one for cheap. What ends up happening is that your opponents end up getting two or three cards and you end up getting <laughs> one. And that sets that set collection. I mean, we may have to pay a higher price for them and spend a lot of money. But you've given us two or three just so you can get a cheap one. Right. And so there's a king-making aspect in Raccoon Tycoon. There is not a king-making aspect in modern art and other bidding games that we've played. Um, well, not a deliberate king-making, like you weren't trying to give me. Well, no, but I don't think king-making has to be deliberate. I think oh, king. So, okay. I thought, so in Raccoon Tycoon, the only player interaction you really have is you sold this commodity off before I could sell mine, or you bought this building before I could buy it, or you outbid me. So... A pure economic game with some interesting aspects to it. I, I don't. I, I like modern art more because I, I like games when there's bidding in it. I like bidding to either be the main focus of the game, or a slight side 
uh, journey, kind of like in Power Grid, where there is an auction, but that's not the main focus of the game. Whereas in Raccoon Tycoon, that auction is, that's what makes it or breaks it for you. But at the same time, you have to juggle the commodity speculation and all these other things. And so Raccoon Tycoon stays as one, I mean, it's a great game. I feel like it's probably one of the better bidding games that came out last year. Was it last year or year before? I think it was last year. I've lost track of time. Um, that that said, I, I I don't know if I would recommend it for just a straight bidding game. It's 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 slightly it's it, it's a next step game. It's a next yeah, step game. It's got a few more things going on in it than like high society or modern art. Uh, the the commodity deal kind of reminded me of the Clans of Caledonia thing, or it's kind of a supply and demand. Which I did not like that in Clans of Caledonia. No, but I love it in Raccoon Tycoon. I do. Like plot, <laughs> you all right there, Rike? Yeah, excuse me. Are you you just you did you fall asleep? No. Or were you trying to call raccoons? Was that a no, raccoon I call? Even, I don't even know what, what noise was. was that. What does a raccoon say? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Okay. Well, he's got. You shouldn't make fun of him because he does have loose sphincters. That's true. Like, yes. and a sphincter is all parts and uvulus. And you, yes. How can you have a use loose You want a loose uubula. Loose uubula. You can say that three times fast. Loose uubula. Loose uubula. Loose uubula. Oh, God. Loose Wait a minute. This is a loose uubula. That's a predator. That's a predator. That sounded really good in my earphones. I'm Chris Hansen. <laughs> Have a seat. <laughs> Are these your emails? <laughs> I was just bringing some pizza and wine coolers. <laughs> oh, boy, this got dark all of a sudden. Can we go back? Can we see what you did? Hey, at least I made it interesting. Tighten up your sphincters and uvulas <laughs> right now. This is a quality podcast which can be found on the Gateway Network. <laughs> you also want to know what a gateway is? A uh, sphincter. <laughs> so go to thegatewaynetwork.com to hear more podcasts. Usually media. it's an exit, but I guess it can be a gateway. <laughs> and listen to the game cast. Suppositories. Suppositories. Ah, yes. Can help you. They do have Jeff on Maybe the show. Maybe that's how Boba Fett got out. Just Somebody a crammed a big suppository. A space, suppository. A space suppository. <laughs> Bring in the space suppository. Kind of like a like anything in Star Wars, they just call it space in front of it, like Batman. <laughs> I like how Bring yeah. in the bat spray. Bring in the bat suppository. <laughs> I never I never understood why Batman had to like franchise everything. He had to trademark it all. Like, bring in the bat spray. That's just raid, Batman. No, it's the bat spray. It's a can of raid with a bat symbol stuck on it. That's mine. Bring in my bat repellent. <laughs> bat and bending. <laughs> yeah. He had that bat belt. It's like, that's just a belt. You bought that at Cole. No, it's <laughs> a bat belt. <laughs> He's got all these spandex. He's all about branding. He's all got that jacket. Look at my bat jacket. That says new face on it. It's my bat jacket. No. <laughs> that's what Members only. <laughs> Oh, but Raccoon Tycoon's good. R- Raccoon Tycoon, I really like. What is a hard cut back <laughs> Hard merge. I really like, A, the components, even though they're wooden. 
you know, they're not like these glorified components, but they are very nice. And I love that track of moving them up the production. And then it increases the, the amount that they're worth. And then when you sell, whatever the amount you sell, it drives it. If I sell four pieces of wood, it drives it back down four spots. I love that. So then you're gathering your money. We've discussed Raccoon Tycoon in the past in our podcast, but we just replayed it. And I really enjoyed it. It's not my favorite bidding game. It's still modern art and high society, but I really did like it. And I think I've lost my thought. Well, I've, I've gained your thought. I think the, the interesting decision that comes from Raccoon Tycoon, Tycoon uh, not just the bidding but it's that stock speculation. When you play a card, you produce those resources, but then some resources go up in value. So, obviously, sometimes you want to get the price of a commodity up high before you sell yours, but you don't want to play a card and drive up certain commodities before it's your turn again. Someone's going to sell those commodities. Yes. So, there's this weird tension where you're looking at other players and you're looking over at Enrique's stuff and going okay he's got this he's got a load of coal and coal is high I, I really don't hope he doesn't sell yeah I, I, I should i sell my coal now because he's about to sell his or i've drove up this commodity so high and i'm about to sell mine and then all of a sudden gobby who has produced some just decides oh, i'm gonna start selling it that's the interaction between the players not just the interaction at the in the auction but that interaction of man i hope you don't sell that and so that is an interesting way of the players affecting each other is that I don't want Enrique to sell out of this one wine of all the wine because I'm about to sell it. And so I kind of hold my play and wait until the next turn before I drive it up and see, you know, there's just a lot of going. There's a lot going on. But Bert Hoovis did say besides auction, besides auction. So that is the beside auction part. In Raccoon Tycoon. It is that stock Besides speculation. Besides outbidding each other. Yeah. It's that stock speculation. Okay, That's the tie-in. Trying to see, do, are they going to make this move before I do? Right. And so there's a little bit of tension in Raccoon Tycoon. Now, that second game we played is like another classic game. Uh, I say I think it's one of the best games made in, a, in this generation is Coal Baron. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Coal Baron, which is a Wolf Graham. Wolf Graham. Wolf Graham. Wolf Graham. Boy, that would really Wolf suck. Graham Amadeus. Wolf, well, Wolf Graham, a wolf bring you a telegram. <laughs> What's on my front porch? That's why that's little ride riding hood. A Wolf Graham. Wolf Graham. Hello. Oh. Uh, Wolf Graham is a uh, Wolf Who is the other Keesling. Gang. Isn't Keesling and Kramer? Keesling and Kramer, yes. Yeah. Where are you getting Wolf? I don't know. Is it Wolf Kramer? <laughs> Where is it at? It's Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. Dum dum. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is. It's behind your laptop there. Uh, Coal Baron is a game two to four players plays in about an hour, where you are attempting to run your coal company and to run it so efficiently that you're able to Wolfgang Kramer and Michael Kiesling. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, that you're able to get certain types of coal, ship said coal, on certain types of transportation. And again, it's very set collection because you want to have your coal mine balanced. You want to have a certain types of coal mines on each side of your that player board. It is not set collection. It is set collection. What sets are you collecting? 
Yes. I mean, I guess, yes. yeah, I guess when it comes to yes. shipping. Yes. Okay. Right. Thank for a moment. All right, all right. And I will explain these three different things for which you're set collecting. Not only are you set collecting the four different colors of coal mines, which, of course, add points at the end of the game. You're also set collecting the four different types of transportation. The train, the trucks, the, the horse and buggy, and the coal cart. That set collection also helps them score. And then there's the set collection of the actual four different types of coal, which again scores for you. And so that interaction in the game between players is completely absent until you realize how much their turn affects you. So in Coal Baron, it is a worker placement game where you're taking one of your 15 workers, which seems like a lot, and placing them out on this main board and doing an action. I can go and bump out your worker, but if you have one there, I have to place two. I can bump out my own worker. I just have to add another one there. So if there's one to two, two to three, and so forth and so on, that quickly ramps up uh, your use of your workers. And so generally some players end up running out of workers before others, even though they went last. And so being able to effectively use your workers in such a way and blocking other players, anticipating that I see Enrique has got all of his trucks loaded up. I have trucks too. I need to go ahead and ship my trucks now because it's going to cost me two workers later if I don't. That interaction affects the players a lot. Plus, you have to even look at the other players' plans. You have to see, is Gabi going after the gold? Is, is Enrique going after a certain type of transportation? What scoring... Um, in-game scoring are you basically going after and what way should I what what should I do should I try to chase chase after it and tie you up so that you don't get it or should I completely ignore it there is a lot of player interaction albeit it's not necessarily purposeful in Colburn this is one of the few worker placement games that is player interaction because not only are you you're not blocking spaces but you're causing me to burn more folks than I want to and so that like it seems like the last round of every game goes faster for some reason. I don't know. Maybe by that time you're in the field, you know what you're doing. You're placing your stuff. It's like you're really on a row. And then it's like everything I do is like plus one, plus one, plus one. So like on one move, I'm like burning four people because you've already been to the space where I needed to access all the stuff in my shaft, go down there, get all that stuff, bring it back up and. It gets, see, to me, even though it's, I don't know if it's not, I don't, (laughs) the last round of the game seems tighter. I don't know why, but it's really good the way it ramps up. It does. I I like the plus one aspect of I'm there, you want to go there, it's going to cost you an extra. That can wreck your last two or three moves. If you've like calculated them out, you don't know. Like one game... I really needed Enrique to not go somewhere because I didn't have the extra dude necessary to bump him out and then do what I wanted to do. He went there and it ruined my last move. So, it, but but that's part of the, I like that tension though. It's like, oh, is he going to go there? Ah, oh, he went there. I'm screwed. There is a lot of tension in the game. And I, I feel like Colbaron, out of the three games that we're, we're talking about right now, Colbaron is the one that I wholeheartedly suggest that if you're looking for a it's it's not as complex as our next game. It's not as simple as Raccoon Tycoon. I think it's more accessible. It, it's it's accessible. It's easy to understand what you need to do to win I mean, the game. Enrique learned it in five minutes. Right. And Enrique gave you a run for your money 
the, the second game. Like he took, won. Yeah. No, no, I won. No. Oh, you won. won. No. Yeah. So he won second. So there is a so Cole Baron is an awesome game. Completely. Yes. And I, I I can't recommend it highly enough. The next game that was new to us that we just played was Railroad Revolution by What's Your Game. Now Railroad Revolution is a game that came out a few years ago, got a lot of praise, and then it got a lot of flack. Um, the reason I purchased this game is that a friend of the show, Jason Dinger, seems like he's always playing this game. And I see it on his Facebook page constantly. And so I thought, I need to get this. I don't like railroad games. I never have. But this looks a little bit different enough that maybe there's, it's, it's putting a spin on it. Railroad Revolution got a lot of criticism and an expansion because of it of the scoring mechanism. There's multiplier tracks on the side, and the expansion kind of does away with that. And a lot of people claim that the expansion for this game is completely and totally necessary. And from what I understand, the expansion's coming out again. They're doing an, an, a reprint first of next year. So, I mean, 20, uh, 2021 is coming out. So anyways, Railroad Revolution, again, is a worker placement game, but you're placing your workers on your own player board. There's only four actions that you can do, which is basically lay a track, lay a station, uh, put in a telegraph office, or basically gain money, sell something of your own. But which type of worker that you put in that spot gives you a bonus. And so all you're trying to do is lay track to certain objectives, build, uh, and, and, and when you complete those objectives, obviously they give you victory points. And also at the same time, kind of running up your interest on that multiplier track. Like if you see that you're building a lot of, you're connecting a lot of cities, then you want to be high on this other track. If you see you're building a lot of telegram stations, then obviously you want to be high on that track. The player interaction in it is just completely and totally absent, I think, for the most part. The only player interaction there is in the game is that each spot on the board has the first player marker. When you go there, if you're the first one there, you get this big bonus. So every time, every little spot on the board that you're looking at, if you're the first one there, you get that bonus. So there is this want to try to hurry up and get over there and utilize that spot before somebody else because the, being the first one there is so good, especially in those telegraph offices yeah. where you're getting all those, when you're getting all that stocks from it. And so that type of weird player interaction where you're not exactly blocking each other, but it feels like a race, sort of. Like, I, I want to get there first because I want this stuff. And... The, mm -hmm. I think the player in action in Railroad Revolution is much lighter than the other games that we spoke about. But man, what an interesting puzzle that you have. Oh, yeah. I love, I freaking love, and I don't know why, but I love multiplier tracks. I love it in Scythe. I love it in Concordia with the cards. I love it in this one. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a simple mechanism that helps the players kind of gauge where are you at? What, what are you doing well in? Well, then you need to be high on this track. Uh, that, to me, like for someone like me that has a hard time, like when I'm faced with a game like this and uh, I have a hard time deciding a way to go. But if you have a multiplier track, you can easily pick a way right. to go and just hardcore go into that. Now, generally, it's a good idea to pick a little bit of all of them. But Enrique is about to fall asleep. <laughs> Rick is very tired. Are you all Are right? Are Yeah, you? like, like I said, I did kind of stay up. What, what did you do last night? Just play video games. What, what video game, game were you, you playing? playing? 
Cyberpunk, man. Like, oh, Cyberpunk, bro. What? What? <sighs> so is good. Keanu in it? Yes. He's so good. What does he do that's amazing? Basically, is he the titular Cyberpunk? Okay, so basically, he's not an actual person in the game. He's actually a hologram that's been mm-hmm. implanted into your brain. Mm-hmm. And he is Johnny Mnemonic. Base, yeah. And he is Doesn't unwillingly is. taking over your body. Oh. So he's oh. Spawn. Or Venom. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So you're trying to figure out a way to just. Or locked get in him by out. John Scalzi. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep Sorry. telling us about Cyberpunk. I'm so enthused. Go ahead. Enthused. I am enthused. So what are you cyberpunking? Basically, the, the entire main story is just trying to get away to have Johnny. the Mnemonic? Johnny Silverhand, which is... Con- Silverham? Silverhand. 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 Which is Con- character. Goldfinger. <laughs> Sil- Goldfinger and Silverham. <laughs> Uh, but basically, darn we- you, bronze wrist! <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm just it's continuing. Fine. Down oh, I've got a no, limp foot. We're <laughs> <laughs> continuing down appendages. Uh, our knowledge of both appendages and metallurgy are overwhelming you. But just Go to- ahead, cobalt tongue, no, cold ju- shoulder. Just to, just to get down <gasps> to the just- eyes. Sorry, we got to stop. Continue. I am so interested in cyberpunk. What is this video game about? Just to get down to the gist of the game. Get down to it. Mm, It's a good game, but it has a lot of flaws. Okay. PS4 didn't come out. So you're playing this on a... Uh, On PlayStation 4, yeah. Can I ask you? I had this so like three months ago. Yeah. How long have you had this game? Huh, you didn't see. have a spare $600 to use on a PS5? Man, do I look like I'm about to play and pay? We need a to thousand? start a Patreon so that Enrique can get a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. We're starting I'm a Patreon's for like me. 800 to a thou- no, $5,000 for like a PS5? No, wait. How, 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 how long have you had this game? How many days? Four days, five days. Let's see. Week. It came out what December twelfth. Okay, so you've had it for for this is this yeah, is for Christmas. like a couple of weeks. This is around um, Christmas, and I Christmas. almost have like a hundred hours. You have a hundred hours, almost a hundred hours, and I still haven't finished the game. Wait a minute, you have played this game, so you've had the game for tw- for twelve days. Yes, twelve days now, and. What? What's what? 12 times 24? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> he's he's what? been awake. 288. What? Minus 100 divided by 24. Seven days. So you have put, you've just sat around and played this crazy game for 100 hours. Basically 100 hours because it's such, Four days. It's such a big oh game. Oh, my God. With all its open world Four stuff. Four days of your life <laughs> that you'll never get back. Playing with Johnny Mnemonic Keanu Reeves. Hey, man, if it's Kanye Reeves. Kanye Reeves. Kanye or Kanye? That's the this question. This is what's wrong. That's the question. That's, this is what's wrong with the new generation. 100 yes. hours playing. Amazing. How many books have you read and gained actual knowledge on anything? 
Water books. He knows about cyberpunk. Water books. He knows about cyberpunk. Cyber he's books? read. He's, he's water read books. <laughs> I love water books. I'm into H2O. <laughs> Speaking of books, I uh, have been reading one of my childhood books by Lester Del Rey, an author from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, called Runaway Robot. I read this when I was in elementary school. Runaway Robot. By Lester Del Rey. It's about a robot named Rex. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if he becomes sentient, but he's on his way to becoming sentient. And his uh, owner slash uh, the person he's helping to raise, Paul, a young boy of 16, they get, they're on, I forget what planet they're on now. I don't think it's Mars, but it's probably Mars. Uh, his family's like, okay, we're going back to Earth, but we can't take the robot. There's not enough room. So Rex has to go like work as a work robot on this farm. But Rex the whole time was like, oh, I'm miserable. I don't want to work here. I want to be with Paul, the boy he helped raise. Mm-hmm. And Paul abandons the ship that's supposed to take him back to Earth. And Paul and Rex have run away together. Ah, It's a boy robot love story. <laughs> I mean, basically. So it's basically Cyberpunk 2017. <laughs> Cyberpunk? It's 1965. It's 1965. I love this toaster. <laughs> oh. What Wait. You, what? what Railroad Revolution. I like it. I think it's it's super dry, um, though. It's I... drier than a Sarlacc's anus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comment. I really... Loved this game. Really? I loved it. And it hurt me that you said the expansion, because I've heard about the stinking telegraph, whatever, that ruins the game. And then there's like a fix for it. But then they said the expansion fixes it by doing away with the multiplication tracks. There are some, there is, I don't know. I need to get the expansion. And I mean, is it like modular? Like you can do away with this, but not that? If so, whatever. Like I'd be good, but. We'll see, but what's your game that they, they they did say in twenty twenty one? This game is going to get a uh, a reboot. I uh, get get the expansion. <laughs> yeah, the expansion's <laughs> coming back out. Uh, uh, what's your is, game? You go ahead. In regards to Bert Hovis's other comment about uh, no, the comment we've been discussing about player interaction, Pax Premier, I like the interaction of that. And of course, this is uh, as far as I know unique to Pax Premier, but it's I'm sure it's a mechanism that can be utilized somehow. Of placing a spy out onto cards and then by cards, moving that spy onto other people's cards and by other actions, being able to get rid of this card they are using to their advantage. That was excellent interaction. Not even to mention the primary interactions of the game, which is basically like battling and stuff like that politics, but moving that spy around on those cards in Pax Premier. I loved that player interaction because it was, I would guess maybe um, what's the what's the oh my god if I had a brain what's the game with the nuclear stuff in in the first game you could like drop bombs on people that was gonna be Manhattan Project Manhattan Project which is a great spy also and I think the Manhattan Project the original there's been three iterations of it but Manhattan Project that was truly one of the better Euro games which it was a worker placement it was an engine builder but that whole that that whole thing of this other player is doing well, we need to bomb him. We need to shut him down. Well, that was the catch-up mechanic that for everybody. That was good, too, but I'm thinking of the spies you could place. Yes, and the spies that you could place and utilize their stuff. There was a lot going on with that game, and it was very fast and loose, and it was long, 
but yeah, it was a. There, there are a lot of good Euro games that have a lot Fast, of interaction. Fast, loose, and long. <laughs> the game that has the most interaction that comes to mind, and I'm looking at it right now, is Barrage. Barrage yeah, I fi- is that designed. is the other one. Yes. With, but the deal is with Barrage, if you do not interact with the other players, then nothing will happen. Like, it will just completely fall apart. The idea of Barrage is that you are blocking other players. You are stealing their stuff. I mean, essentially, it is worker placement in the fact that you can build a dam and block them from doing something. But also, there's the player interaction of, okay, you've built a dam, but I can place my turbine or whatever that is thing here and route the water through my turbine via your dam into my stuff. Like, that was really good. That is actually, I had, in my mind, I was thinking PAX Premier with the Spy and another game that I had at one point, Barrage was it with those generators or whatever the fuck. And Barrage is the game by Cranio Creations with uh, Simon Lucchiani. You're a long way away from your microphone. And they have, it's all about water. It's about collecting water, using water to power your engines and have electricity and supplying electricity, which is interesting that we started talking about dry euros and then we start talking about the wettest euro. It's very interesting. That was a nice turnaround. like that. I'm done. Sounds good to me. We've hit them with too much information. (laughs) TMI. TMI. TMI, bro. I'm about to crawl out of here. Sounds good to me. I'm Gabby. This is Jerry. This is... Thank you for listening to the Board Game Snobs. Stay classy. Stay classy.